G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's turn our attention to the clothes we wear and our fashion buying habits. Baptist World Aid has just recently released a special edition ethical fashion report. It coincides with the 10-year anniversary of the Rana Plaza disaster in Bangladesh where over 1,100 garment workers were killed when their garment factory collapsed. Well, Sarah Knopp is Advocacy Manager for Baptist World Aid, and Sarah's joining us. Hello, Sarah. Welcome along to 2020. Thanks so much for having me. Sarah, it's pretty significant, this particular report. Uh, It does actually commemorate a 10-year anniversary. I mentioned Rana Plaza. Give us your insights into just how significant that was 10 years ago. Yeah, thanks so much for the opportunity to share. So, look, each and every year when it gets to the Rana Plaza anniversary, we we think about um, the catastrophe that took place back then. Um, but it's particularly um, pertinent this year as we've hit the 10-year anniversary. And as you've already mentioned, over a 1,000 workers died in that tragedy, um, but thousands more were critically injured. And why this event was so significant in addition to just the size of the disaster is because actually the issues with that building were very well known before the disaster took place. Major cracks had appeared in the building the day before, um, but workers were actually threatened with wage loss if they didn't return to work the next day. And this just highlight some of the key issues that workers face every single day when they're making our clothes. Um, Issues like the fact that they're not actually able to collectively take action against issues in their workplace. Um, That often takes place through things like unions and collective bargaining agreements. Um, But also they're not paid a fair wage and so that many are trapped in the cycle of poverty Um, and when they're threatened with wage loss they actually can't afford to not show up to work. And so this event really catalyzed a new movement of ethical fashion followers, um, really raised a awareness about the conditions that workers uh, were living in and it just so happens that we released the very first edition of the ethical fashion report that same year. Sarah, 10 years and when you get a disaster like the Rana Plaza disaster you might ask how do you bring a spotlight onto a disaster like that but uh, all credit and honour to Baptist World Aid because that was around the time, as you said, uh, that you launched the first ethical fashion report. And the ramifications of what can happen with a report like this are absolutely magnificent. And now that you've got 10 years since then, you're able to reflect on and be able to understand more deeply some of the issues and the trends over that time. How do you reflect on that 10 years? Yeah, look, so as you've mentioned, we released our first report in 2013. And in that report, we surveyed and assessed 41 prominent fashion companies at the time. This report has continued to grow over the last decade. And last year, we actually assessed 120 large um, Australian and global fashion companies. And so we have incredible insight into what's happened over the last decade. So 25 of those companies um, we've actually assessed consistently throughout the last decade. And it's given us some real insight into what has changed positively within the industry and what benefits our workers have experienced. Um, But disappointingly, there actually has been a lot of um, 
a lot of lack of change for garment workers. And so I'd love to share some of those insights um, if I can. So, you know, when it comes to wins for garment workers, there's been some really well-known wins. So the ILO actually found that um, as of recently, there's no evidence of child labour in Uzbekistan. And that's an issue that was really well reported on. Um, and a lot of organisations like our own campaigned for child labour to be removed from the Uzbekistan cotton trade. So that was a really big win over the last decade. Um, we also know that following Rana Plaza, um, a Bangladesh accord was introduced and subsequent international accords, and they have also uh, resulted in some good safety issues being addressed for workers in garment factories in Bangladesh, um, but not all safety issues and, and certainly not across the board um, in, for all factories. So, but they're regardless, some really great wins. Some great uh, wins in there, uh, but you've got this 25 companies, uh, they've been assessed over this past decade, but that represents something like 600 brands. Is that the case? Because And these are brands that we might see when we're shopping at a department store. Yeah, so there's 25 companies that we've assessed over the last um, 10 years, but 120 that we assessed last year, and that includes a lot of fashion companies um, that your listeners would be familiar with because they're the biggest in the world. So we make an effort to assess the biggest companies because we know that's where the bulk of the production is happening. We know that's where most people are shopping. And so we really have a focus on the biggest players in the industry. Um, and interestingly, our, our assessment found that of the companies that we've assessed consistently for the last 10 years, they outperform the rest of the industry that we've assessed by 11 points. So they scored an average of 41 out of 100 last year compared to 29, which was the rest of um, the rest of the cohort. So that really speaks to the value of consistent, long-term ethical sourcing efforts by those companies, um, but also is coupled with ongoing public scrutiny um, and advocacy efforts like organisations like Baptist World Aid. Well, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because even though there are those successes and you can identify that keeping the pressure on, applying the blowtorch actually does work, uh, those 25 companies, those 600 brands, well, that's really still just a drop in the ocean. How big is the problem uh, that's happening in the developing world around these factories? And we, of course, are the consumers of what comes out of those factories. But how big is the problem? Yeah, look, the problem is significant. So um, we know that from the Global Slavery Index, there were 30 million people estimated to be in modern slavery in 2013. That number has increased to 50 million in 22. So despite the fact that we've seen progress in areas like um, companies implementing policies and commitments to do better, and also in making more effort to trace their supply chain, we know that there are still huge gaps that need to be addressed within the industry, particularly around addressing modern slavery issues. Um, so we really want to see companies working on addressing some of these issues over the next decade. So, for example, um, you know, at the moment, a lot of workers in the industry don't have the ability to collectively organise and take action, nor do they have the ability to raise grievances or issues when they identify them in their workplaces. Um, so, for example, of the whole group that we assessed in last year in 2022, so that's 120 companies representing almost 600 brands, only 5% um, could evidence that there are unions and collective bargaining agreements in the majority of their final stage factories. And that only gets worse as we go deeper in the supply chain to mills and uh, cotton farms and things like that. So 
there's a lot of work to be done for workers to actually be able to advocate for themselves and, and tell when there's an issue happening in their workplace. And obviously one of the big issues that we talk about a lot with our work is living wages. So without being able to be paid a living wage, workers can't um, afford the basics in life. So, so housing, um, clean, safe drinking water, food, being able to give their children an education. And so, again, even by 2022, the companies of the companies that we assessed, only four could evidence paying a living wage at more than 25% of their final stage factories. So there's still a lot of work to be done around giving workers um, a fair and safe workplace and paying them a fair living wage. A lot of people like to complain about trade unions, but when you put it like that and the need for collective bargaining, and even trade unions in these developing nations, uh, when you talk about how much an individual gets paid or what sort of safe conditions they're working under, those sorts of issues come to the fore and those uh, unions certainly are going to be very important. I don't know whether Baptist World Aid can help make those sorts of things happen, uh, facilitate those sorts of things. Is that something that sort of happens somewhere on the side of what you do? A lot of our work is really around strong advocacy, so making sure that there are um, there's greater awareness, but also advocating for governments to bring in more regulation um, and stronger policies and practices that can make sure that those those things happen. So when we work directly with government or when we work directly with fashion companies, they're some of the things that we're really encouraging to be in policy, um, but then also for the due diligence to be alongside that so we see it happening in practice within different suppliers. Sarah, let's talk about what we might be able to do because, uh, you know, we're the ones who buy fashion. Uh, we go to our favourite fashion stores, our favourite department stores. We've got our favourite brands. We're spending our money. Uh, what can we do? Is there something that is, you know, on the shoulders as responsibility for, for various, you know, for us as, as uh, individual consumers? Absolutely. So a lot of people, um, I guess, believe that the power lies with the fashion companies to make change. And that is true, but we are all customers of these fashion companies. And so we all have the power to make change with every dollar that we choose to spend. And so the first thing I always say to people is, if you want to have a more ethical wardrobe, you don't need to look any further than your wardrobe at home, because the most ethical wardrobe is the one you already have. So if you can take good care of that and keep wearing it, um, then you've already, you're already one step along on your journey. Um, the other advice I give to people is to buy secondhand if you can because there's millions and millions of garments um, in circulation already. And in actual fact, Australians donate almost 200,000 tonnes um, of clothing and textiles to op shops every single year. So the options are aplenty in your local op shop. So I encourage people to go and look. Now, I'm also very aware that for a lot of your listeners, um, you know, they're, they're living through a cost of living crisis at the moment. And when we talk about ethical fashion, um, a lot of people think that's just financially out of reach. So what I'd love to, to say to your listeners today is we have a fantastic tool on our website. It's a brand finder. And you can go online and you can see a lot of different brands, almost 600, probably many of which they already buy from. And that, coupled with desktop research, is a great way to be informed about the purchases that you make. So make the most, um, like the best choice that you can that's affordable to you. And then also use our website to speak out to those brands and tell them that you want to see them doing more um, for the workers in their supply chain. We have a fantastic speak out tool um, that you can use to write directly to those companies and let them know what you want to see change in their supply chain practices. Well, Sarah, love the work that you do with Baptist World Aid. And uh, I know and and, uh, you know, sometimes we talk about what can you do and uh, you can almost feel as though, oh, 
am I being criticised here because I'm a consumer? And I know that's not the intent because you've got the the you've got the pressure on those buyers in those big companies and who they're dealing with and how that ethical fashion report can really actually make a huge difference to the buying habits of clothing suppliers. Uh, Sarah, thank you so much for taking some time. Let me point listeners to Baptist World Aid. You can connect with Sarah at baptistworldaid.org.au. Sarah, can listeners get a hold of this report? Can they read this report? Is there a link there on your website? There absolutely is. So if they go to the website that you've mentioned, they'll be able to have a read of the report um, and they'll also be able to use that brand finder tool and the speak out tool that I spoke about. So lots of things that they're able to do when they visit the Baptist World Aid website. BaptistWorldAid.org.au. Sarah, thanks so much for joining us today on 2020. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.